Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the longest running Gold Coast Sun show on the interwebs, thanks to our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Tom Kim and Tim. Thank you for supporting the show over on patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast and without further ado, let's get into today's episode and I welcome back to the show, Cal Toomey. Welcome back, Cal. Hey Shane, how are you? It's good to be back. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thank you for making the time to come on. And uh, we'll pick your brain on some of the uh, young talent coming up in the Gold Coast Suns Academy and also some of the young talent that's on the Suns list while we've got you. Uh, Now, Shane, before we start though, I do want to check something. Are you recording the show? (laughs) Have you pressed record? Because... I know one of my workmates, I'm sure we'll get to him. He shall not be named at this point, but he, he did a podcast with Mitch Cleary earlier in the year. And look, I never heard it. So I just want to make sure you're recording this one. It's going to be all good. I'm definitely recording the show. I was definitely recording the last show with Mitch as well. But you know how computers work sometimes. And sometimes <laughs> they just don't want to do what you tell them to do. No, I hear you. Just playing with you. <laughs> We've all had those stuff ups. The first interview I ever did, uh, Shane, or one of them anyway, was with Billy Brownless. And I was 14 or 15, and I went in to interview him at SEN. I had the recorder on. He said, are you sure it's on? I said, yep. Did the interview for about 15 minutes, walked out, went to listen to it, and realized it hadn't worked. So uh, I've never forgotten the uh, the lesson of that. <laughs> oh, that would have been funny. Um, mm. You would have enjoyed watching Billy go down the slide like yesterday. So uh, yeah, it was good, wasn't it? And <laughs> obviously, uh, a good cause. So it's just a shame there wasn't um, eighty thousand people there watching it. When are you going to get the opportunity to go down the slide, Cal? <laughs> uh, don't be silly. I, I, I never. I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> I think with the, the notoriety uh, you yourself. Uh, Mitch and Riley are getting from AFL Exchange. We might see you guys up there next year. Maybe maybe right. tie you all together and go down as a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's uh, there's a few outfits we could roll with, but it's, it's um, yeah, we'll see how we go. All right. Well, let's jump into the first lot of questions I've got for you. Uh, you did a great job presenting the mid-season draft. It's only the second time we've had a mid-season draft, and it turned out to be a bit of a ruck draft as the meme that was going around. What do you make of Will Moyle for the Gold Coast Suns? He doesn't look like he's going to get a debut this year. Uh, it would probably be unlikely, especially considering he's still quarantining in northern New South Wales before he can join the main group. Uh, what can you tell us about Will? Yeah, I... 
Ned's a, he's a he's a good player. I really like him. He's he's a, a prospect who, if he had a state in the draft pool, I mean, who knows where he would have ended up? Somewhere in the top twenty five to thirty, I'd imagine, because of that height that he has. He's two five and potentially getting taller. Who knows? But he's got some aggressiveness. There's a bit of Shane Mumford about him. There's a little bit of Max Gorn about him. Um, and I think that the way the draft panned out, I mean, Hawthorne definitely had an interest in Ned Moyle. They were speaking to him up until a day before the draft, and they had picked two, clearly. Now, in the end, they had to take John Newcomb because they knew that if they didn't take him at that point, um, he would probably uh, be picked off before their second pick. So they'd sort of uh, went, way, went that way with that commitment. In the end, it was the perfect result for the Gold Coast because I think he was the guy that they would have wanted all along. A young ruckman, someone who's 19, uh, who can step in as a long-term player for them, uh, continues the, the bracket and, and group of Oakley Chargers who have joined the club, obviously, over the past few years. But, yeah, he's he's a guy that I think, look, if, if he doesn't play this year, he won't be far off, I'll put it that way. This, this little break in games might hurt him. And, obviously, it's coming out of a lockdown period then into... Uh, quarantine period then into getting to the club and, and working all that out. But I do think that he won't be far away. And, yeah, I think the, the Suns had their eyes on some other mature Ruckman, and I'm sure that's probably the way they would have ended up going if if Ned had gone at pick two. And, and what would have happened after that point? Would they have taken Ash Johnson? Would they have taken Jackson Callow, potentially? But um, those are some other guys, the what-ifs and what could have been. In the end, I think it was a really good result for the Suns to grab Ned Moyle at that point. Yeah, Ned Moyle. Let's just make that clear. I was reading the question and I wanted to ask, will Moyle make a debut? I forgot his name was Ned. But <laughs> um, So, Ned Moyle. Do you, there was a bit of a kerfuffle leading up to the draft where it sounded like he may have failed a medical test. What can you tell us about that? Well, the AFL uh, sent out to clubs on the night off the draft some information relating to uh, a heart issue that had come up late in the piece. And not necessarily an issue, but just the, something that required a little bit further attention from a medical perspective. So that one came through, but I don't think it was off the, the level of concern that um, you know has, has seen other players drop down draft boards and all of that. I think that the main bit was just that the, the AFL let the clubs know you know, half an hour before the draft started, that the full information, a full picture of where things stood wouldn't be um, available until a couple of days later. Now, this is just an overall picture of some of the difficulties faced by clubs doing recruiting throughout this year and in the lead-up to the NAB AFL mid-season rookie draft in that, you know, the COVID complications, the capacity to interview players in person, the, the ability to have your medical you know, workers and doctors go and assess players on a medical level. It became a whole lot more difficult with Victoria around that point. So he was probably caught up in that. So um, I think that, yeah, he'll get to the Gold Coast and obviously have a real level of confidence that, yeah, we'll see a fair bit of him over a long time. And yeah, as I said, I think there's that aggressive streak in him and he can use the ball pretty well. And his performances for Collins of AFL side were pretty impressive too. And the Oakley Chargers as well. I mean, everyone's been watching the Oakley Chargers as they always do down here because they produce upwards of eight to ten players most seasons across drafts. And obviously they've got a potential number one at their midst as well this year in Nick Dacos. And I think Nick will miss Ned Moyle being there for the Chargers because he was feeding down his throat uh, a lot of the time as well. Yeah, so 
the the heart issue is nowhere near to the extent of that. I think the last one I can remember was Jaden Stephenson dropping down the draft order quite dramatically. No, nowhere near to that extent then. No, not not as far as I'm aware. And look, that one was a different sort of case as far as what I'm told. Yeah. Okay. Um, so further on in the draft, the Suns did have a second selection, and it was actually quite surprising to most Suns fans to see that they didn't choose to utilize that second selection um i've got a theory that's because um, jackson callow was selected with the very uh prior pick by hawthorne uh do you feel like that was the case do you like there was a lot of talk the suns would go after a wily buzzer or uh some other mature age players and they decided just not to act on it well, I think the Wiley Buzzard discussion and leading into that, there was the Michael Knoll discussion as well before his medical issue with his knee. All of that came about in the search for a Ruckman. But when they got their Ruckman with their first pick, I think that's where the, the tactics probably changed a little bit. And they think, well, we're going to go based on talent now. And if we don't have anyone left on our list that we're happy with, then we don't necessarily have to grab them. And look, we have to remember as well, there is a rookie draft and, Yes, there is a whole lot of interest in it because it's mid-season. How can these guys help us in the short term, long term, medium term, all of that? But it's also worth remembering these guys are rookies and we don't place the same amount of attention or pressure on or expectation on the guys who have picked as rookies at the end of the year, a day after the NAB AFL national draft. The rookie draft is over in about eight minutes. Now, this one lasted a little bit longer in the mid-season. There's 22 picks. And, yeah, I agree that you know, I think if Callow was there, they probably would have had a really good look at him because they'd done some work on him in the lead-up um, and pretty late in the piece as well. But a couple of other clubs are in that same boat too where they probably thought, if Callow's here, we'll take him. If not, then we'll tap out. And, yeah, clubs went into that, that mid-season rookie draft with a list of, what, six, seven, eight names that they were really happy with uh, on the whole. Some even had three to four, and that included Jacob Edwards and a lot of them, Ned Moyle as well. So... Uh, it made sense for me that if the guys that you don't like aren't there, don't go and add a bloke just for the sake of it because you can. Also worth remembering as well, as you well know, the Suns have the biggest list in the AFL. It's not as if um, they're crying out for, for players right here and right now, I think. Yeah, and uh, I guess a lot of the lead-up to that draft was very much a Ducks and Drake scenario as clubs <laughs> were jostling to, to outwit each other. Um Let's look ahead to the coming draft. The Gold Coast Suns have a lot of academy coming through. What sort of talent is in the academy for the Gold Coast Suns this, available for this draft? Yeah, there's a little bit out there. So they obviously have access to Ozzie Harris, who's a small back, small forward, um, who's part of their academies, uh, played for the NAB AFL Academy as well. Earlier this year, he's a small back with a bit of power. Um, so he's one that they'll look at. Ned Stevens is out of the Darwin Area Academy, a, a tall defender uh, who's also a part of that NAB AFL Academy program. So in that sort of upper echelon in terms of uh, the pathway coming through. Jai Lockett, clearly the, the surname there is has captivated a little bit of interest. He's the, the nephew of uh, Plugger, Tony Lockett. So we've I've seen a bit of him and he certainly is a really good kick and uh, a sort of roaming forward, um, a prospect who... Yeah, when he gets his shots, he converts them. And, and Will Bellows, a player I know you've sort of thrown up as a key forward, he's played a bit of VFL stuff, and they're the sort of names who I think the, the Suns would be looking at through their academy. But there, there isn't the guys like last year, Joel Jeffrey and, and Alex Davies, who you know, I'm sure we'll get to at some point in our chat, you know, who were 
tipped as really early picks from a long way out. I don't, I don't think there's that group uh, for the academy and the Suns this year. And then there's the other question as well that will be answered later in the year about whether the Suns will have to actually match bids on academy players again this year. And, and that also might uh, impact who they pick and, and how many they take. Yeah, that is another scenario to consider. Um, like just the names that we just listed there, it doesn't sound like any of those players at the moment are tracking to be top 20 selections. So you would think that would fall in the favour of the Suns of, uh, when it, if it does come to match, having to match a bid. Um, yeah, do, you, do we have a timeline for when the AFL are going to decide on whether they're going to have to match bids in the future? I think it happens after uh, after the after the home and away season if the Suns don't make the finals. So it's one of those decisions that will be uh, late in the year. Don't expect them to make the finals at this point. So I think, yeah, after around 23, I'd imagine that will, uh, will happen. Okay. One way or the other. All right. And uh, something I've noticed on AFL Exchange is you're very quick to point out some of the young talent coming through as your boy. What Suns player do you claim as your boy? And you can only pick one. Oh, how how old is young? Like, what are we talking? Because there's you know with with there's a there's a fair backlog of uh, players who who have made their way to Gold Coast over a number of years that I would consider my boy. Well, let's say three years. Three years. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's probably got to be Noah Anderson. I'd say. Um, yeah, watched a lot of Noah uh, coming through, obviously, and got to know him pretty well. He even shot us a video today asking why we haven't signed up as members um, <laughs> on, on Twitter, um, which was nice to see. But, yeah, Noah's, Noah's a really good player. I know he probably wasn't as good on the weekend. We probably had a few mates on, on the weekend. But um, he's, uh, I think, had a pretty impressive season. Second year, people forget that maybe he's just he's into – you know, game, what is it now, 25 to 30 or, or around that little mark of his career. But, yeah, really talented player and good person. Um, got his own sort of style and and sense of humour. And, yeah, he's a pretty natural guy now. So I think he's pretty popular up there. Yeah, he's certainly become a favourite among the fans, especially now that the, I guess, over the last 12 months, he hasn't had the shadow of Matt Rowe uh, next to him. And he's sort of been able to dominate games at his own stead. Um, a lot of Suns fans have really sort of stood up and t- taken notice of just how mm. much talent uh, Noah Anderson has. And I, it was probably pretty evident on the weekend when the Suns were struggling that Noah Anderson was nowhere to be found because he's already become such a crucial cog in that Suns midfield. Um, and obviously, speaking of the game on the weekend, Gold Coast Suns, six goals, 13-49, were defeated by Frio, 11 goals, 10, 76, a 27-point loss. Rankin and Burgess, the only multiple goal scorers with two apiece. And there weren't too many players on field that can hold their head up. Uh, Probably only two I can think of being Miller, 31 disposals, 13 contested, six score involvements and one goal. He's quickly becoming the only Sun representative that can hold his hand up for the All-Australian, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is, and he's probably in that All-Australian mix as a squad. I don't think the, the side's probably gone well enough to put him into the, the conversation as a as a first 22 player, but yeah, I mean, his running power's been highlighted, and 
it's been extreme. And I know Michael Whiting at AFL.com today, you wrote a, a really good story about him on the weekend and just how impactful his season has been. So, yeah, he's, he's stood up. And, look, I'm, I've been a Will Powell fan for a little while too. I mean, even looking back at his draft, 2017 draft, and he was such a shock pick and no one had seen him. And, you know, it was the end of that first round of his pick 19, wasn't he, from memory? And now if you redid that draft, he, he's stacking up really well. And, yeah, it's a good selection for the Suns. And he's he's um, he's aerobic. He's sort of elastic in the way he plays too. He, he stretches and, and kicks well above his head. And he's almost, yeah, he's still got the the boyish looks about him, doesn't he? I think he's got a long way to go in terms of his development. So there's a lot to like about Will Powell. But, yeah, as you say, I mean, everyone was watching that Gold Coast Frio game on the weekend and, they were pretty disappointing across the day. They, they had their moments and they just didn't, as you say, nail them. 6-13. I mean, the the game was up for grabs for a period there in the second quarter and third quarter and they didn't get the, uh, just didn't go for it or weren't able to convert their shots. And yeah, for the first time in a little while, Ben King was, was muted, I guess you could say. And um, they managed to shut him down pretty well. And from there, yeah, the Suns couldn't get rolling. Yeah, too many of the Suns players, I thought, were passengers on that day. Uh, Roses, Graham, Smith, Anderson all struggled, and they'll probably be lucky if any of them hold their spot in the side next week. Uh, Lacocious had a down game, and that's been uh, shown on a few media outlets. Um, a, a few, a bit of a lack of defensive when it comes to some of his defensive efforts. Uh, but what did work, obviously, Tuke Miller just continuing his dominance. We've spoken about Will Powell. But Sam Flanders, he's really starting to show what he can do when exposed at, at AFL level. I think he's had almost a dozen games of football now. And um, there, there's a reason why the Suns were quick to pounce on him at uh, pick 11 when he'd slid down that far. Because I think you'd even predicted him to go at about pick five in his draft. Yeah, thanks for reminding me of that. <laughs> um, yeah, he, I mean, there was a reason clearly, yeah, and it was the power, it was the spring, it was the ability to kick goals. Um, I think he's taken a little bit of time to build the confidence that he does belong at AFL level. And you talk about the shadow that Matt Rowell cast on Noah Anderson. I personally don't think that that's really a shadow. I think that he's just, that's something that Noah's known and, in, in his eyes, and as they should be, they're equals. They, they've grown up together. They've been through every team together. And right here, right now, I know Noel, Noel hasn't got as many Brownlow votes, but he's played more games. He's been more durable. And, you know, he's he's put more performances out on the park than Rowley. But I would say that playing um, or being drafted alongside those two as a pair would have been difficult in some ways for Sam Flanders to come in and be able to match what they've done. So, yeah, I like what he's done. And he's played, what, Pretty much every game, I'm just looking now, pretty much every game since uh, round four. So he's managed to, I know he's subbed there uh, once, I think, but yeah, getting a little bit more of the footy. And yeah, I agree that he was among the highlights on the weekend and looking set to sign a new two-year deal, which is obviously a good sign as well that he's settled in a a little bit better. Yeah. Speaking on players that are sort of in the shadow of another player, I want to talk about Ben King. Um in his draft year, it always seemed like Max King was the one everyone was talking about. Um, but Ben King's really come into his own up here on the Gold Coast away from his brother. And Max is actually going through a really rough patch this year. 
with the Saints and his goal kicking and the the controversy that comes with that being down in Melbourne. Do you think uh, Ben might be thanking his lucky stars? He's away from that sort of media um, roasting down there. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, roasting or just attention, there's there's two sides of it. I always thought about the Suns. You know, do they do they benefit? Is the overall benefit a good thing for them that they don't cop the media attention, or um, do they lack the media focus sometimes when, as a club, they don't perform and you know, you're able to go down the street and not catch the questions of every cafe owner or um, bartender or, you know, passerby about your performance. So there was sort of both sides of the coin there. But I do think that, um, you know, a part of uh, Max King's story has always been, you know, the comparison to, to Ben and how those two shape up. And so far this year and so far throughout their career, really, I mean, Max had a later start because of his... Uh, knee injury and then his ankle injury in his first year at AFL level. So he's sort of a year behind in some ways. But clearly Ben um, has had a fantastic season. And I'd love for Ben to kick 50, 55 goals this year because I think that would be a huge step for him and you know, really show the development that he's got and, and done. And, yeah, there'll always be the talk around St Kilda chasing him and all that type of thing. To be honest, if I was St Kilda, I don't think I'd necessarily be going that way. And if I was Ben, I'd, I don't think I'd be going that way. I, I get the lure of playing you know, with your brother potentially, but also he's the number one at the Suns and, you know, clearly they're building a forward line around him and and keen for him to stay and, and these type of things. So and, and if you go to the Saints, then all of a sudden you're sharing that again. So, yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic player. He had a bit of a quieter day on the weekend. we still got to remember, as you said, he's 21 now. So uh, still such a long and exciting career. And there's so many key forwards coming into the game and over the past couple of years as well that, um, you know, I think... You know, have in some ways got his athleticism and agility, and it's such a rare feat. So there's so much to like about him and to build around. Yeah, you think uh, like I don't know how much contact you would have down with Max King down there, but do you think maybe Ben King picks the phone up to him and sort of gives him some pointers? He's saying, you know, I'm top dog now. Look how many goals I've kicked. Anything like that? Hmm. No, I mean, no, I know those guys pretty well. I don't <laughs> don't think they really go down that line too much. So. They've probably um, they've probably had enough uh, enough commentary about each other's kicking or you know rate, rating and ranking against each other throughout their whole life. I mean, one was pick four, one was pick six. You know, I think their enter scores are in the ninety eights or something. So I'm sure they've always been measured uh, against each other, and they probably don't do it too much against each other between themselves. But yeah, they're both pretty laid back guys. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Max um, sort of get things going in the second half of the season, hopefully. Yeah, well, you you did mention before about the media scrutiny that comes on the clubs and whether the Gold Coast, whether that benefits or is a hindrance to them that they don't get the same level of scrutiny that uh, Carlton or St Kilda would be getting. Um, I got to agree with you on that one. I really think the Suns need to be held to a a higher accountability now um, than in previous years. And that's partly due to the what we saw in the Amazon documentary earlier this year about how the Suns are now judging themselves at a higher level and basing basing their, their performances on wins. And we're not seeing that. So far this year, we've seen four wins and eight losses. And some of those losses have been pretty bad. We thought 
the floggings might be behind us, but that the half a game against the Bulldogs resulted in a 60-point loss. The game against Brisbane where they didn't show up was another big loss, and arguably the game against Fremantle, despite it only being 27 points, uh, falls into that bracket with the performance that they that some of the players gave. Where do you think the yeah. Suns are at this season? I think they're a little bit behind where they should be. Yeah, um, I think they should be knocking on the door of the eight. I'm not saying I'm not saying they should be necessarily in it, but I think they should be knocking on the door. And they're probably two two wins behind where I think they should be. Yeah, um, so that's that's my overall take on it. Now. Are there games in there that they've lost that they should have won or could have won? Well, they could have won on the weekend, couldn't they? They could have. They should have been St Kilda, I thought. The way that game was panning out and was played, uh, they could have beaten Carlton. Um, could have beaten Adelaide. Well, I think so, with the exception of the Bulldogs game and the Brisbane game and the Fremantle game just gone, I think the Suns were actually in front at one point in the at three quarter time or late in the fourth against pretty much every opposition i think i've got that stat right Um, yeah so they've definitely had the opportunity to win some of these games and they just haven't been able to get over the line uh do you think that that's an issue they need to address as far as being able to close out games Close out seasons as well. I mean, it's has, it's been the story of um, the Suns over the past few years, hasn't it? You know, the, the the quick and early starts, the good starts of the season, and then the dropaways uh, in the second half of the year. And I know even this year it wasn't even their best start. They they won three out of their first seven, but they were in a couple of more games there they should have won. Now they haven't have won one of their last five, um, and I think that yeah, that that should be a game or two better than their trucking. And look. Maybe our expectations on the outside were a little bit too strong or too high for what they should have been internally or what they are internally, and and that's fair enough. Everyone, we just because we set the bar in the media and outside the club necessarily doesn't match up with what they said internally, and, and that's fine. But I, I do think that, um, yeah, I think they're at this stage where they should be knocking on the door of the eight, and and right now they're not. Yeah, the. Um... The Gold Coast Suns have today announced that they've reached a membership record of 18,823. And as you said just before, you received a video from Noah Anderson asking you to sign up to be a Suns shout-out member. Hmm. What do the Suns need to do for the remainder of this year for you to sign up as a member again? <laughs> um, I want daily videos for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want every contract exclusive. Uh, I want I want breaking news whenever it happens. No, uh, look, I'll, I'll probably will. It's hard to say no to Noah. He, he, he was very helpful to me in, during his draft year. Um, always took my call and went out to his house one day for a chat with him and Matty Rowell and we did the photos and um, he was very helpful for me. So um, I think uh, I, I'm pretty sure that will get done soon enough. Although... To be honest, like I did spend some time at Port Adelaide as well this year. So, obviously, I spent some time with the Suns a couple of years ago and loved that experience. This year, I did it with Port Adelaide. So, I might be selling, selling out and going with a couple of late membership drives. So, uh, we'll see what Port Adelaide comes to the party with. But I think, uh, look, it's hard to say no to Noah. Put it that way. <laughs> All right. Well, 
actually what can we look forward to for the Suns for the remainder of the year? We need to see some sort of improvement and that obviously comes in the form of uh, actually winning some games in the second half of the season. Is there anything else that we can look at for indicators that would give us an idea of how well the Suns are travelling? I know it's a number. I'd like to see eight, nine wins. I know that's, that might be difficult at this point. Four out of the last ten, five out of the last ten or, or nine games. It's it's difficult, but it's not impossible. And they just need to get some confidence back. And look, I think that the injury absence of Jared Witts has been such a huge hurdle that they just haven't been able to overcome. And there's been some bit part players who've helped and, and held the job for little part periods. And, and to some degree, that's worked. But I'd like to see that happen. I'd like to see um, a few of the guys flick into to, to real top gear and, and the development of some of those players who've been around the club for a couple of years now and, and step up to that degree. I'd like to see Matty Rao play out the rest of the season. I think if he plays out the rest of the season uninhibited, That'd be a great win. I think, as I mentioned before, Ben King plays out the rest of the year, kicks 50, 55 goals. That's a really good win. I think if Isaac Rankin plays the rest of the year, that's huge experience for him to get through the best part of a season and on the back of what we saw last year, really solidify your career. So, um, and those, and to be honest, you know, I know Jack Lacocious is another one in that period as well. And I've been pretty impressed with what he's done this year, playing a bit more time on the wing. Um, He's probably taken the spot of Rory Atkins a few times as well in some, to some degree. I'd like to see him continue to develop and evolve his game and, and not always be the, you know, just the, the really nice kick and the user, but you know, be really uh, competitive and, and what he does all the time uh, and, and be that guy that um, you can help build you know, the, the back line around as well. So there's all these little bits and pieces. Finals clearly are, uh, are not going to be a, a factor this year, I wouldn't have thought, unless... But the club goes on a crazy run in the second half of the season. But, yeah, there's a lot to like about the Suns. I just think it's just about um, all that blossoming together and you get to the end of the year with, with a few less injuries. And I don't know what it is about that club, Shane, but injuries do seem to strike um, Gold Coast and also the Giants. The two newest clubs in the competition seem to have injury issues every single year. So, um, yeah, they seem to be pretty hard struck on that front. Yeah, it's absolutely baffling. I've even put it to some people that it's Metricon Stadium. But, um, yeah, I've got no idea why we constantly have injuries to not just players uh, in the best 22, but key players in the best 22. The sort of players that you can't really afford to lose through injury. Uh, everything from Gary Ablett in the early days to and Nathan Bock to recently Matt Rowell and Jared Witts. It's um, players that the Suns really need to try and get as much out of as they can if they to have a shot at playing finals football. Now, the the VFL side had a great win on the weekend. 17 goals, 5, 107, defeated Sydney, 16, 8, 104. And after the siren kick by Joel Jeffrey sealed the win <laughs> for the Suns, what did you take out of his game? You were very hot on him last year in the draft. Um, he, he seems to be coming into his own. He's a very flashy player as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if he if he makes a debut for the Suns in the AFL side this year. Yeah, the way he's tracking, and that was a good kick under pressure, wasn't it? He yeah. slotted it pretty pretty calmly. I always liked his size. I've always thought that you know this is a guy that can play in a number of positions. He can mark above his head. He kicks it well. He's taken a little... 
they were a tough act to follow the Rowan Anderson draft class. And this year's draft class have taken a little bit more time to pick up the pace in terms of what's required at the top level and, and the ability to get in there straight away. So they've clearly been given more time to do that. And it hasn't been a rush for those guys to play either. But I'm with you. I think that, you know, the Suns have shown, and that's been a really good thing as well, the Suns have shown their confidence in, in their young players to go and blood them if they're ready and they think they're ready. We've sent Mally Rose's little bit of a taste of things over the past little bit as well. So Connor Butterick at the start of last year. and He's another injury who I think that the Suns have really missed um, this year that probably goes under the radar. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Joel Jeffrey had a lot of fans inside, you know, the top 20 of last year's drafts, and it would have been fascinating to see where he'd been taken had he not been a sort of pre-selection. So, yeah, there's him, and there's obviously the great news of Elijah Hollins playing the VFL this week. So really looking forward to that, and just a, a little bit of... It's been so long for game between games for Elijah. The last game he would have played probably would have been on grand final day, I think, um, in 2019, um, where he really dominated for the NAB AFL Academy All-Stars. Uh, kicked that long goal from outside 50, then he did his knee the next February. Such a long recovery for him. So looking forward to seeing him out there. And I think he'll bring some real energy to the Suns, and hopefully we see him maybe... Maybe later in the year, but if not, then just get some games under his belt to, to head into 2022. Yeah, we, it's been so long since Elijah Hollands has played and we haven't really seen too much of him as Suns fans. He was touted as a number one pick, if I'm correct, just before he hurt his knee. And I think at that stage, most Suns fans had sort of put him off the radar as a player that we probably weren't going to get at that stage of the year. And uh, he's just managed to slip down to seventh. What is it that Elijah Hollands does that had him in conversation for that number one pick? What made him so special? He's a match winner, and that's what we like about him. There's, a, there's players who contribute to games. There's players who turn games. There's players who make games and own them. And he's a guy who can own games. And yeah, he's done that at all levels. He's played. He, he likes the big moments. He kicks at 55 metres instead before. He marks all over his head. He kicks goals. He plays in the midfield. He can be a clearance winner. He's a good size. He's pushing 190 centimetres. I think as he told the world on his Twitter feed last year, he wanted to get to 190 centimetres. I'm not sure if he actually <laughs> ticked over that or not. But And he's got the confidence. He's got the bit of rock star about him. And, yeah, the Crows looked at him for pick one. The Roos looked at him pretty hard for pick two as well. He eventually got through to pick six. But, um, yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's got some real ability. So, yeah, it was a shame... Well, I mean, in the end, in the end, the knee probably did cost him a few spots in terms of his draft because there was a few questions on his from a medical perspective because no one had seen him play or train really in that period. But um, it's a great get for the Suns, and you know, it's the most talent-laden list I think in the competition. I, I, I truly do think that, and still think that. And uh, he's got a huge amounts of talent. So yeah, we'll see a bit of him. I hopefully see Ben Ainsworth back at AFL level this week as well kick three from 20 last week and really come into the game in the second half. So he's a player that I think is too good to be playing at VFL level and uh, has certainly um, yeah got some traits that should be on show and yeah, really back in and believe that we'll, we'll get to, to see the best of Ben uh, sooner rather than later. And before we go, Braden Fiorini, you brought it up on AFL Exchange, uh, how he's struggling to get into that sun side. We'd love to have him in there, but it's it's a very tough midfield to break into, isn't it? I, I don't it see is. how he can yeah. get in. 
No, I agree. He's contracted till the end of 2023, so he's got two more years beyond this. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he does get back to Victoria or not. Um, whether, yeah, whether he's good enough in terms of breaking into the senior side this year to play some footy, or if he just, um, you know, if if the clubs come knocking and suggest that, yeah, we'll, we'll see him at the end of the season. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. But I think he's again, as you say, it's a struggle to get into that that side and on the wing or play in the midfield or. Yeah, there's some good players in ahead of him, and it's not through lack of desire for him or lack of effort. You know, he's, he's you know, seen as a future leader a couple of years ago as well at that footy club. So, yeah, it'd be, uh, be fascinating to see where it ends up with him at the end of the season because, you know, if there's a cap cap squeeze at all, what sort of money is he on? Will another club be willing to take on his money? All that type of thing comes into the, the factor of uh, where a player can end up or go. Yeah, I think uh, the Suns are desperate to get him into that side. They've tried him in pretty much every position they can on the field, and uh, he just hasn't been able to adapt to those positions. Um, so he's just going to have to bide his time until injury comes along or he can outperform one of the solid midfield contributors at the Suns. Um, that will do us for tonight's episode. Thanks again for coming on, Cal. No worries at all, Shane. Enjoyed it. Good to talk Suns, and hopefully next time it's after a win. Absolutely. Hopefully. I need a win soon. I don't know how much longer I can go without a win. Um, (laughs) Well, until next time, go Suns. See you, mate. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.